0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Hello and welcome to Better Living, a show about the people and organizations that make an impact in our area. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. A returning guest is back, and she's brought a new group with her. Coming up in the second half of the show, Anita Foster with the Tarrant Area Food Bank is here to help kick off the holiday food drive season with information on some fun events. But we start off with the group I've been really excited about interviewing. William Porter is the Senior Operations Planning Associate for Team Rubicon. William, how are you doing?
0: Great, and thanks for having me here. It's really an honor. Thank
1: you very much. Uh, I really appreciate it. So a big friend of the show, Anita Foster, who is actually going to join us in the second half of the program, recommended you guys, you know, it's great to have you in here and start talking about what Team Rubicon is doing. That's probably the easiest and best way to start off this conversation. What is Team Rubicon and what do you guys do?
0: Yeah, So Team Rubicon is a military veteran and first responder disaster response group. Our our mission is to unite the skills and experiences of military veterans and first responders to deploy uh, emergency response teams. Uh, We've been around since 2010. We were started by two Marines uh, right after the earthquake in Haiti in 2010. Uh, What started with those two personnel quickly grew to eight, which quickly grew to a 1,000. And we started with an international response team, Uh, and then quickly turned into a domestic response team. So we actually uh, do global responses all around the world.
1: 35,000 veterans on the roster is what I saw on your website, which is TeamRubiconUSA.org. Is that correct? Yes, sir. That's correct. How does that 35,000 work out for you guys?
0: Yeah, so we're a volunteer organization just like the Red Cross uh, and and other nonprofits out in the United States. Uh, Basically, we we have a roster and we're broken up into regions. And at any given time, uh, we've committed to putting at least 25 personnel on the ground within 24 hours anywhere in the world. Uh, That is our commitment. Uh, And then from there, we can scale up or down depending on on what the severity of the disaster is.
1: What are you guys looking at in terms of the services that you provide? When you say disaster relief, it could mean anything because there's a million things that need to be done in an emergency situation. So what can people expect when Team Rubicon shows up?
0: So our, our core capabilities are damage assessments and debris removal. Uh, basically, we understand that when a disaster happens and it affects your your household, it's usually the worst day of your life. Uh, we can help expedite that recovery for you. Uh, and that's usually things like, you know, when a flood happens, getting the the mud and the, the wet contents of the house out and into the street so we can start, you know, uh, drying out the house so a contractor can come in and rebuild. Uh, that's also... Um, it could be after a tornado where, you know, your, your garage was destroyed or even your house was destroyed, we can move that that debris to the uh, curbside. So that way, again, a contractor can come in and, and start working. Uh, that's just one facet. We also do spontaneous volunteer management. Uh, immediately after a disaster, you get a lot of spontaneous volunteers, a lot of the general populace that just want to come out and help. Uh, but there's no way to really organize them or get them to task. So we bring them out there using our military skills and we, we organize them, we train them and we equip them, uh, and send them out in the disaster zone with, uh, leaders that have operated in this environment before. And again, that's another way it expedites that, that recovery. Uh, and that's domestically. And then internationally, what we do is we deploy uh, emergency medical teams. Uh, these are teams composed of doctors, nurses, paramedics uh, that are capable of going into austere environments and providing that life saving care, uh, treat, triage, and packaging and getting them out of that area.
1: I saw on the website that the, the med services that you guys provide are only international. Is there, are there laws that you guys have to kind of go around in the states that you're not able to do these kind of things?
0: Uh, yeah, we do have a medical director on staff, but simply because of the laws between all the 50 states and there is no national registry for a lot of the medical specialties, mm. um, we, we basically are right now not large enough to be able to meet the needs of all 50 states. Uh, that's why internationally we're we're actually credentialed by the United Nations. Uh, So where the World Health Organization uh, is the governing body, and so they credential us to provide medicine in the foreign countries. Uh, Stateside, there are opportunities, like for example, in Puerto Rico right now, we actually are uh, providing medical assistance. We're doing that in conjunction with FEMA and the Department of Health and Human Services. So there are opportunities when that happens, but mostly it's large-scale disasters where the need has been uh, overwhelmed, or the uh, services have been overwhelmed
1: let's talk about being overwhelmed i i I do want to talk more about what you guys are doing because i I find it really interesting that you guys are doing uh, you seem to do all the dirty work you know you guys are really getting in there and doing the things that nobody wants to do but needs to be done but i I think the biggest thing right now it seems like there are so many major disasters that are happening right now all over the place whether they're hurricanes whether earthquakes wildfires i know that you guys are doing a lot of stuff with wildfires in california was Team Rubicon always supposed to be going, going, going? Was it always supposed to be a nonstop endeavor, or has it just become that?
0: Originally, it was it was made to be uh, basically a small unit, like a special operations unit, yeah. uh, that would deploy out uh, with small teams and, and just provide you know very critical life saving skills. Uh, after one of our original members committed suicide, we realized that you know we needed to engage our personnel more. Uh, and and the way to do that was responding to domestic disasters. Um, so that coupled with the fact that most of our members are military veterans that, you know, did three, six, 10 years and got out of the military, they're still very able-bodied and willing to serve. Mm. Uh, so they're more willing to take on those, those really hard tasks, sweaty tasks that not a lot of people are either capable of or want to do. Uh, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, that's what drives every one of these guys because, they, you know, 70 percent of them have been in the military. They want to get out in the muck. They want to get out in the dirt. And that is what builds that camaraderie between our members. Uh, and that is really like a badge of honor for our personnel.
1: Does team and I didn't think about this or even see it really alluded to. Does Team Rubicon serve as some sort of there? Does it have a therapeutic effect on the veterans that are, that are working with you guys? Because you said that you wanted to kind of add that to the services that you're providing. So is that component a part of Team Rubicon? Uh,
0: it is a part. It's a it's a secondary part, basically by deploying military veterans uh, in, into a disaster zone, getting them back into an area that, that may very closely resemble things like Afghanistan or Iraq. Uh, it, it allows them to pr- basically have a coping mechanism uh, for either wounds that, that are seen or, or even some that are unseen or even not even known about. Uh, because one of the things that—the major things that a military veteran loses when they leave the service is that sense of identity, that sense of purpose, and that sense of community. Team Rubicon provides all three of those things during a disaster response. Uh, The identity, again, very recognizable. Team Rubicon with our gray shirts, Uh, sense of purpose. You are going out there and helping residents on their darkest day. Uh, And that sense of community. You know, you may have had your your friends and, and, uh, uh, you know, people you served with. You're going to lose touch with them after you leave the military, now you have a whole new set of friends. Every gray shirt is a brother and sister, and they become that new community that you have, you know, after leaving the military. So those three things are really providing the coping mechanism uh, to reintegrate back into society. That, coupled with the 20 percent of civilians that are in our organization, gives that holistic approach, um, you know, to really give people that, that sense of, of something that's been missing since the military.
1: All right, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, how you found the organization. How long have you been with Team Rubicon?
0: Uh, so I've been with Team Rubicon since 2012. Uh, I actually I got out of the military in, in 2011. Um, I, Who did you I, serve with? I, I was in the Air Force. Okay. Um, so I, I got out to follow my then girlfriend, now my wife, um, and, and I was really looking for a way to keep my resume fresh and and, and you know do something outside of you know er, earning a living, basically. Uh, so. Again, I was a law enforcement officer in the the military. Uh, There wasn't any jobs where I was at uh, at the time. So I started volunteering with the Red Cross. Uh, I did that for about six months, and then I still realized there was still something missing. Uh, The Red Cross has a very important mission, uh, and they help a lot of people, but it just really wasn't for me. Mm. Um, So I I actually saw a news article on Team Rubicon. Um, It was in the ramp up to Hurricane Sandy. And uh, I was like, hey, this is this is exactly what I'm looking for. Uh, at the time, they were in the Rockaways, uh, literally having to take a boat, uh, a 30 minute boat ride from from where their location was at in New Jersey down to the Rockaways uh, to help residents there because they weren't getting any assistance. Uh, and I was like, man, that's exactly like my skills in the military. So you I'm just a- wanted
1: something more rigorous. Yeah. And that's yeah. so you knew that you had the capability and the experience to to do something that's more intense. And, and that's what drew you to the group.
0: Yeah. And, and, and honestly, you know, if you look at everything, you know, when I said we were initially created to be like the special operations of of the nonprofit world, that's pretty much still what we do now. Uh, we will flex to meet the needs. As an example, uh, when Houston uh, was experiencing everything from Hurricane Harvey, uh, we did not have a a boat rescue program. Uh Literally between three of us and Team Rubicon, we decided that there was a need so great that we needed to go out and buy boats. And within 24 hours, we had six boats, 25 people, and they were en route to Houston to start helping people get out of the water.
1: Did you guys buy boats or did you have donations, let's say?
0: Well, we had to go buy boats at the time because it, it takes time to, to generate donations and things like yeah. that. So we just had to go buy them, uh, bought the trailers as well, and then, you know, put our teams uh, heading down to Houston.
1: You started with Sandy, right? Yes. Okay, all right. So how long were you working on that project? Uh, how long I, were you there?
0: I was there for two weeks. We were there for, I think, 45 days uh, total.
1: Okay. So after you went on that first mission to Sandy to help people uh, up on the East Coast, was it an immediate click? Did you know automatically that you were going to stick? Like, this is what you were looking for?
0: The If you can bottle this up and, and sell it, you would be a millionaire. The thing that brings Team Rubicon members back time and time again is seeing that homeowner there and, and walking through them, uh, rocking through their house with them and finding out, like, what help they need, mm. and then them coming back in a day or in two days and seeing the drastic difference to their house, uh, it is a life-changing experience, like, absolutely life-changing. And that is what brings every Team Rubicon member back time and time again. It is getting that hug from that homeowner. It's getting that, that you know, just really praise and, and graciousness to, to be that, like, little shimmer of hope in uh, everything that's happened, that is what brings everybody back time and time again.
1: Do you think that there's a, a kind of a weird feeling of almost wanting something to happen so you guys can actually go and start working?
0: You know that that does happen, and we do try and we do try and temper that with our members, right? Uh, because we never want anyone to. Nobody experience wants anything that. bad
1: to happen, but when you get the kind of feeling that you got, and it's sometimes filling a gap that maybe a lot of these guys returning from war are feeling. You know, it could be kind of a good thing to a certain extent, which is which is weird to say, but I think anybody would understand that.
0: Right, and, and it does happen. You know, in, in all honesty, it does happen. Uh, we do try and temper it throughout the year. We don't just respond to disasters. We do. We have training events. We have service projects. And and aside from responding during a disaster, we also do mitigation work, uh, which will help. You know, essentially prevent a disaster. Uh, And we do long term recovery responses. So we'll go back three, six, nine months later after a disaster has happened and we'll do some other work. So that's how we keep our volunteers engaged. Uh, And and it's also it it gives them continued sense of purpose.
1: So when was the last time you were on the ground working in in that kind of capacity? Was it Sandy? Uh,
0: No, I think uh, I think the last one I was on was Fort McMurray and the uh, wildfires in Canada.
1: Okay. All right. So give me an example of what you did on any given day when you were in there, especially during a wildfire. I'm not really sure what you would be doing during a wildfire. How do you help in that kind of situation?
0: So in a wildfire, uh, one of the things, and and a little backstory, I was on the first response where we uh, responded to a wildfire. That was in 2013 in in Pateros, Washington. Uh, We... We went in not knowing exactly what we were going to do and what we were going to experience, but the town of Pateros actually uh, requested us, so we wanted to see what we could help with. Uh, What we helped with in that particular situation was we helped the the town, you know, get their feet up under them, because at that point they had been running for about the last week and a half with no sleep, uh, and the county was was very limited in the assistance assistance they could provide. Uh, So number two, we also helped the uh, the, the residents uh, whose houses were burned to the ground, um, you know, you have to you have to take a step back and, and look at it this way. Uh, you're a resident, and maybe you had to evacuate within you had you know maybe an hour's notice, maybe. And this is very similar to what's happening in, in the Sonoma wildfires right now in, in, yeah. in Santa Rosa. They had maybe an hour uh, notice before they literally had to take all of their worldly possessions that they could carry, throw them in their car, and drive off. They returned back a week later, sometimes two weeks later, and there's nothing left. Um, so. There's nothing left, but what we do is we help them identify locations where there may have been valuables in the, in the house mm. uh, or, you know, other things that may have survived the fire. And sometimes that does happen, whether that's jewelry, military medals, uh, ceramics and things like that. And we'll go through and we'll sift the ashes. And we have found we found wedding rings. We found uh, like grandfather's military medals and things like that. And as somebody that's lost everything, that's a huge thing to get even something back. Anything. Uh, so that's what, you know, we did in Pateras, Washington, and we've done it four times since then. And, of course, we're doing it right now in California.
1: I've never been near a fire of that magnitude. What does that feel like? I think that people could kind of somewhat envision a hurricane or a tornado or a flood. You can at least kind of get that understanding because you've been in weather that might approach that. No one, most people are never around that. What, what, is, what did that feel like?
0: Uh, it, it's a very eerie feeling. So first and foremost, there's, there's no birds chirping. There's no wildlife running around because they've all scattered uh, when the wildfire comes through. And it, it does take them weeks and months before they come back. So you, when you first get there, the first thing you feel is this eerie quiet everywhere. Uh, secondly is there's still always smoke in the air, whether there's hot spots that are smoldering or something like that. You just have this weird fog. It's all smoke, but it's weird fog just drifting around everywhere. Uh, and then the third is the smell. So you know, just like you you have that smell lingering when you put out a fireplace and the, the logs are still smoldering, that smell is everywhere, everywhere, and it permeates through your clothing. It's in your vehicle and everywhere. So that that quietness, uh, the, the fog everywhere, and then the the smell uh, it's just a very eerie feeling. And nine times out of ten, there's no one around besides the the first responders. So you're you're basically showing up at a ghost town, and that's kind of what it feels like.
1: William Porter is the Senior Operations Planning Associate for Team Rubicon. Their website, TeamRubiconUSA.org. Your job, when you say plan, this is all planning. You know, there's a lot of, you guys, you have to execute, obviously, but I would think that the planning is going to be the one thing that's really going to make you guys effective. What is your job? How do you plan for all these crazy situations?
0: Uh, so a lot of it is, you know, it really does stem from uh, uh, my background. I responded to Katrina. I was a law enforcement officer. So I, I draw from a lot of that and everything I do. Um, and then plus being around the organization since 2012. So I have a lot of, of corporate knowledge as far as responses. Uh, you know, we, we are starting to mature as an organization. Back in 2010, we would just load up in a truck and go. Um, so we have matured to the point where we do have an operational planning process. And so that includes, you know, getting... Information about the environment uh, again in Houston, you know, there was still active flooding going on and you could be in, in one point in point A uh, on Tuesday and then on two on Wednesday, that area is flooding again. So it's it's monitoring those type of environmental impacts uh, and keeping our team safe when they're down there. Uh, it's talking to the emergency managers and the, the state uh, representatives and identifying where we can plug in. Uh, and it's also bringing all the other teams together, our training team, our capabilities team, um, even our, our logistics team. It's bringing all those guys together and basically acting as a project manager uh, and getting us from basically zero to hero.
1: You know, you're going to take all of your experiences from the military and apply them to what you're doing with Team Rubicon. So, as far as the planning and execution of that plan, that stage, is it almost exactly the way that you would have done it in the military, or have you adapted it to civilian life, let's say?
0: So we, we started, um, again, you know, based on our roots with the military, we, we have a warning order, which is very similar to uh, is a uh, in the military. You have a warning order before you deploy. Uh, you have a situation report, which comes out before that. And then, of course, the actual order to deploy is an operation order. We have that mm-hmm. uh, in Team Rubicon. So it is we've used the standard five paragraph format uh, for those military members that are listeners. You know, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, we use that, but we've added additional things because being a nonprofit, we don't have the huge logistic support structure that that the military has. So uh, we, we have additional things we need to look at and additional coordination we need to make. Uh, but but by and large, we do have a process that if, if somebody walked off the street with military experience and looked at it, they would immediately understand what it is.
1: How is this operation growing? I think, you know, you've been with it for years and it started with two guys, and now you're at 35,000-plus people on call ready to help out in different capacities. Are you seeing the operation grow more as of late, or has it been a real steady process? Yeah,
0: I, when I joined in 2010 or in, in 2012, uh, there was 6,000 members uh, in Team Rubicon. Um, as you say, 35,000 prepared to, to deploy, and we actually have 60,000 that are on the roster. Oh, uh, So that, that gap there is the folks that have signed up but haven't completed their training yet and are deployment capable. But the 35,000 are those that are ready to go. Um, so that's just absolutely mind-blowing. That's amazing. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I tell all the folks that I work with, uh, you know, I've been around the organization for a long time. We've gone from, you know, we don't know if this startup is going to make it or not to we have cemented our place in the nonprofit world and the disaster response world. We are a force to be reckoned with and we are making history now. In 150 years, people will write books about what we're doing, about the conversations we're having right now. We are the next Red Cross. We are going to be that large. We do totally different things than the Red Cross, and I don't want to put us as a comparison to them. Uh, but as far as name recognition, as far as uh, the the support that they provide to a community, we are on track to do those same types of things and have that same presence.
1: We've talked a lot about the things that you guys are doing, and a lot of them relate to manual-type endeavors, helping s- literally sift through ashes, helping to scrape muck out of a-, a home that's been flooded. I also saw on your website, which once again is TeamRubiconUSA.org, that you guys provide technology solutions. So what, when 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 that is mentioned, what are you also offering? Is it
0: communication? So it, again, it depends on the situation. Uh, we have partners like uh, Information Technology Disaster Resource Center, which is a local Dallas-based nonprofit. Um, they actually uh, provide communication solutions and IT solutions. We partner with them. Uh, we can provide uh, communications infrastructure, but mostly our, our uh, ability to do this is to provide, provide situational awareness mm. uh, of the disaster uh, through the damage assessments, uh, which we do. We utilize uh, technology to do. So, and the, the real value here is that we utilize computers, we utilize phones to do that. Um, there are commercial products that have just started to come on board but for the last four years we've been doing this uh, and in a lot of municipalities that we respond to they're still using paper and pen um, so that's that's really the value there is that we embrace the technology and we're a data driven organization
1: have you had people approach you with products and product ideas because you're going to be the perfect and the perfect guys to test things out
0: every day really every day. yep uh, and I, I say every day it's multiple times a day we have uh, you know, small companies, large companies. I mean, we we are uh, we're partnered with Microsoft right now. We're we're partnered with a company called Palantir, uh, which does a lot of government contracts. We have a lot of, of big name partners uh, that that support us. But then there is always new technology. Uh, just an example: when when the floods in in Houston were were happening, uh, there's a company called Raven Ravenswood Solutions, which provides a uh, radio-based Blue Force Tracker, and that's to track teams throughout a disaster area. Um, they actually offered us the uh, the platform for free uh, because a you know obviously they get stuff out of it, uh, mm-hmm. but what we get out of it is the ability to track personnel, you know, far and above what we what we can do now. Um, so we get we get that. We get um, uh, offers of like UAVs or drones. Uh, you guys radios. must have so many
1: drones in your office.
0: <laughs> we actually don't anymore. Uh, <laughs> we used to have a few, and we've, we've dabbled in it, and, uh-huh. and that's something we're going to pursue again. Uh, but, but right now, uh, because of the FAA regulations and, and the need for a pilot and stuff like that, Fair we enough. just, again, we haven't we haven't matured enough to have something like that now. Uh, but it is something we're, we're looking at, we're, we're looking to uh, uh, enact in the future.
1: Let's talk a little bit more about your partners. You guys have done, very. I think, that probably part of your growth and your success in that growth has been really working with partner organizations. H- has that been something that has come easy to the organization, or, or was it kind of new? Because it's not necessarily something I would associate with the military.
0: True, but what you can associate with the military is the need to collaborate. Um, You know, it's driven into everyone in the military is you need to communicate what's going on, uh, whether that's where you're at in the battle space, uh, what type of equipment you have, uh, and also who is in that battle space with you or in the adjacent battle space. Mm. Uh, So that is something that that is really unique to the military um, that that we've taken in Team Rubicon uh, and and also the resiliency that, that military members have. Uh, And I don't want to make it all about military members because, you know, we do have uh, a lot of first responders, a lot of law enforcement officers and a lot of firefighters that are that are in our uh, organization as well. Uh, And they really do face a lot of the same um, hurdles that 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 we had and they're they're very resilient as well. Uh, So, you know, it's kind of the same thing if you're a firefighter uh, and you're responding out to a large fire, you need to know who all is out there and you just have to talk to them, come up with a game plan and then, you know, move forward to the target. Uh, so it's very similar regardless of the three specialties, uh, and that's that's something that, again, Team Rubicon really embraces.
1: All right. Let's talk about – actually, let's talk about the event that you guys have coming up first, and then I, of course, want to talk about getting people involved with Team Rubicon. You guys have a lot of people, but you're always looking for more. You have an event coming up on November 7, November 2nd. It's a Salute to Service Awards. What are you guys going to be doing over there?
0: Yeah, so this is our first uh, uh, main event in Dallas. We've been here for uh, the last year and a half. Uh, our, our main headquarters was in Los Angeles, and we split off the the operational section to uh, Dallas. So this is really a celebration of our partners. It's time for all of us to get together and, and once again, uh, communicate what our mission is, but also recognize a lot of the partners that allow us to, to do what we do. Uh, and one of the major ones, which is a, a Dallas native, is Southwest Airlines, uh, they have been a huge contributor to Team Rubicon for the last couple of years, and they do—they fly us all over the United States, uh, and they also helped us, you know, get to Puerto Rico. Uh, so they are our uh, our guest of honor for the salute of Service, and we're going to be specially recognizing rec- recognizing them for uh, their contribution to our cause.
1: I was going to—that was going to be one of the questions that I was going to ask, and we—I totally spaced on it. You go all over the world. I was going to ask how you got there, and the answer is Southwest.
0: Uh, It's not all Southwest, obviously, because they don't fly everywhere. Fair enough. Um, um, But, you know, Southwest Airlines, uh, American Airlines is another one that stepped up uh, really big for us uh, during the Hurricane Harvey response. They actually Mm. contracted, uh, I think it was 14 different airliners across the United States, specifically 14 Rubicon and flew our folks in. Wow. And, of course, American Airlines is another, you know, Dallas native. Uh, So... Um, whether it's that and, of course, being a nonprofit and being resilient and having to be uh, expeditious. Sometimes we just have to buy the flights and fly over, and and that happens. Was that
1: part of the move to Dallas? Was the location or access to transportation, was that part of the move from L.A. to Dallas? Uh,
0: That was most of it. And, and again, to be clear, we still have our office in Los Angeles. That's where our business operations are. Uh, But we definitely needed a spot that was— Uh, able to hold our personnel because we do uh, collapse them and and give them training and equipment before they go international. So Dallas is a great logistics hub for that. Uh, You've got DFW and Dallas Love Field. Uh, Historically, at least as far as the last 20 years, there are not that many disasters that occur here in the Dallas area. I know it doesn't seem that way, and of course, by <laughs> living here, uh, it may not seem that way. But, but, yeah, like I've done the research, I can assure you, uh, at least in the in the Dallas and, and, and Fort Worth metro area, there are not that many disasters that that have occurred that crippled the city. Um, so that was another piece, and then the third piece was, you know, the ability to find uh, essentially, you know, cheaper real estate than in Los Angeles, uh, which is you you're going to get that for us. Uh, And and then, you know, the fourth thing, which we weren't really planning for or expecting, but the amount of industry that is here and the amount of industry that's growing within DFW has been huge uh, and and is great for us. Uh, So that was an unintended consequence of us Mm. moving here to Dallas, but it's been wonderful, Uh, whether that is our communication with Toyota, uh, our our stronger bond now with Southwest Airlines, American Airlines. I mean, we we are talking to all of these different uh, companies uh, that are starting to support us greatly, so...
1: All right, let's talk about how people can get involved with this. There is a lot of veterans that are a part of this organization, but it's not just about veterans, first responders, medical personnel, civilians. They can all be a part of Team Rubicon. How do people do that, and what could they kind of expect if they are going to be joining the team?
0: Yeah, so they go to our website at at TeamRubiconUSA.org. You can sign up via roll call. It's down at the bottom of the page. Uh, Once you sign up, you fill out your biographical information. You take a couple of training modules, which basically gives you the the history of our organization, uh, as well as some training in the uh, National Incident Management System, uh, Incident Command System, which is what we use, uh, and it's a FEMA standard thing. Mm. Uh, It's what we use when we respond. Uh, Once you do that and you pass a background check, then you're good to go. Um, we don't necessarily look for any specific skills and I think one of our biggest strengths is that we have all kinds of skills. I.e. The, the boat teams, even though we at the time had no intention of ever using uh, any swift water rescue or water rescue teams, we had members that, that filled out their profiles and put that information in there. And so when it was time to flex we very quickly searched our database, uh, found people that had those needed skills, got them here and got them equipped and got them out. Um, so uh, you don't have to be in the military. You don't have to be a firefighter or, you know, in EMS or anything like that. It's amazing how many, like, just one-off skills. Uh, I say one-off, but but how many, you know, just unique skills are out there uh, that we've had to utilize over the years, uh, whether that's folks that are solar technicians uh, you, you wouldn't think necessarily at the time that that's something we would need. In Puerto Rico, it's a huge thing because there's no power grid. Yeah. Uh, so we've had to search our database and find folks that have worked on, on solar electrical grids before, and they are now out there doing, uh, I, I don't want to say consulting, but they're out there doing assessments on the area, uh, trying to figure out what supplies we can get our partners to provide to get a lot of the hospitals back on, back on electricity. So things like that. Yeah. Um, uh, wastewater technicians, you know, the guys that, that actually go out and work in the municipal water systems, mm. that's something else that we're utilizing in Puerto Rico right now. Uh, so it's, it's not just, you know, firefighters, EMTs, uh, or military members, uh, everyone is welcome and, and everyone has a place within Team Rubicon.
1: Do you know how many people are deployed right now for Team Rubicon across the world on, on varying missions?
0: Uh, I think we have about uh, 400 people right now deployed. Uh, at our height, we had, uh, uh, I want to say we had 800 people at any given time on the ground uh, between uh, Houston, Rock, the greater Houston metro area, uh, Rockport, uh, three locations in Florida, one in Dominica, which is an island in the Caribbean, uh, and then in Puerto Rico. You guys are busy. Yeah. You guys are doing it's been it. Busy.
1: All right. Well, uh, it's an it's a fascinating organization. You got a big event happening on November second. Salute to Service Awards. Uh, tickets for that still available on your website, which is TeamRubiconUSA.org. I've been speaking with William Porter. He is the Senior Operations Planning Associate for Team Rubicon. I really appreciate your time today.
0: Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.